You're listening to The Curator Podcast, Season 2, Episode 9. An interview with Jeremy Bohm from Tushi Amori. Jeremy, it is an utter pleasure to actually meet you. Um, how the hell are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing good. We've we've been over here for over five or uh, about five weeks, as of like I think today, or maybe as of tomorrow, it'll be five weeks. So, uh, and we go home in five days. So, it, it's like it's in that part where it's like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but I'm this tour has been incredibly fun and overwhelming. So I'm. I'm in I'm in good spirits, but it's also it's a weird it's that weird. You're happy to be here and you're having a great time, and the shows are awesome, and the people are awesome, and the bands we're on tour with are awesome. But at the same time, you know that home is soon, so time is moving as fast as it is slow. I mean, sometimes you can be on the road and have the best time, but you still want your own bed. Yeah, yeah, there is that. Yeah. So uh, I seen you post on Twitter, and we talked about it a lot a second ago uh, that you really like Glasgow. Top five, you said? Top five. Why? I am infatuated with the music from here. Um, Like Bell and Sebastian's like top three favorite bands. Uh, Camera Obscura, Arab Strap, Mogwai. Like like, there's just so much good that has come out of here. Um, So, but specifically Bell and Sebastian, like I, I, whenever I come here, I like to just sort of like pick a record and just kind of walk around. And also, I, I mean, there's such a cool community around this venue and everything, at least from what I see, like Mono is always a cool place to go, you know, grab a coffee and shop for records and, and whatever else. And uh, we've made a lot of good friends here. And I don't know, it's just it. I think if I was to move ever to the UK, I would either go Glasgow or Brighton, but I'd probably go Glasgow. So did you pick up any records today? You know, I didn't. Um, I didn't. I've bought a lot on this tour. Funny enough, there was a Leonard Cohen bootleg that they had there that I was that and earlier on in the tour I bought a Leonard Cohen bootleg and it's legitimately the exact same recording but just uh completely different pressings and cut and like covers and like one says it's at a one said like an FM broadcast the one today and then the one I had bought says live at the complex in Los Angeles so it's like someone got their information wrong but it's the exact same set list and the same date so I was like okay I, I guess I don't need to buy both of these if it's the same record when did you first become obsessed with collecting records? When did I become obsessed? Uh, is obsession the right word to you? Oh, it's a definite right word. Um, 2001 is when I started like officially collecting. So it's been it's been a haul, 16 years. It's crazy to think. What does it look like? I, I can't even picture it. It must be a whole wall, a whole room. I have a room. Yeah. It's, it's the second bedroom. It's called the record room. Yeah. I, I like to call it like... I, I say the office so it doesn't sound as intense, but it's the record room. Like, yeah. It used to be the record room and also where my the cat box was. And But the cat has now since passed, so it's officially just the record room. Just the record yeah, room. yeah, yeah, yeah. The room for all the records. Yeah. Um, I was, it makes me wonder then, see Secret Voice, was that kind of born out of the same kind of obsession? Doing the record label? Yeah. 
Uh, no. I mean, those are... It's two different things. Like, I, I look at Secret Voices. I've always wanted to do a record label, and I've always wanted to, like, have that. I think if you get fully invested in being a part of, like, the punk rock, hardcore, whatever you want to call it, community. Um, you just sort of have this built-in thing where you want to just, like, be involved and give back and, and all that sort of stuff, whether you're, you know, you play in bands or you put on shows or you do zines or you do this or you do that. Like, I always just wanted to work at a record label. I worked at a record store for ages and always done bands. So um, I never really had the means to do a record label um, fiscally. And uh, the people at Deathwish were nice enough to, to sort of like let my dreams uh, come true. So they they basically uh, run the label while I get to work with the bands and like figure out what to put out and all that sort of stuff. So it's been really cool. Does that take up a lot of your time, you know, not on the roads? No, thankfully. I mean, the fact that Deathwish does sort of or does handle the 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 you know the heavy lifting for it, like the distribution, the that's through their store etc like it it most of my job would just be like communication which is you know aside from only having to be on only getting to be on wi-fi here uh it's it's uh, it's pretty manageable is that something you would like to do more of the record label thing uh yeah i mean you know there's we're at a weird time in music right now where you know you don't really know how long things are gonna last and how long jobs are actually a thing and how long physical music is going to be a thing um so i feel like to say like oh i see a future in working at a record label is seems almost as reliable as i see a future playing punk rock you know what i'm saying where you're like i don't know if that shit's going to be you know still still thriving in the next five years or something like that but um just day at a time i mean We'll see. It, it brings me joy, and I just like to try to do anything that brings me joy. Yeah, like it's, that's the main thing about being in a punk band or, you know, doing the record labels. It's got to be fun. Otherwise, if it's like too much like work, then it stops yeah. becoming fun, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. You shouldn't do any, I mean, whether whatever job it is, you shouldn't do it if it, if, you, if it doesn't at least make you smile a part of your day. Uh, yeah, so you've been, you've been in a band for a while. You've been touring for a while. You've been over here a few times, uh, and you've sold out this entire run of shows. Um is the crowd, have you noticed the crowd changing over the years? Like the people that, that like that come to the shows, the demographics, I guess, as the record label might say. Um, you, you know, when you've been a, you've been coming up on, well, like we're getting near the ten ten year part, and uh, I mean, the kids that were into you when we first got in, you know, the kids that were first coming to Touche shows when the band started, you know, they were probably seventeen, eighteen, and now they're in their mid twenties. And people get into other things, you know. And you got to even think about things like, you know, maybe when they were into our band, they were straight edge, and now maybe they they drink, and like now they're more the people in the back of the bar or back of the venue, you know, having a drink instead of being up front stage diving. You know, like you grow as your, like the crowd grows as you grow, you know. And uh, some people get into other music. Some people, you know, maybe get into you know a whole completely different lifestyle. Um, so every now and again you'll notice that you've you've latched on to maybe like a younger audience or something like that but um nowadays it sort of feels like the people who come out to the show are are like late 20s you know early 30s and things like that um which is cool to see but uh 
We also, when you do certain support tours, you can bring in a younger audience. Like we've toured in the States with like Circus Survive and we toured Europe and the U.S. with Rise Against, which brought in like some different types of kids. And also we've realized now since being on Epitaph that opened up to some kids. Um, even funny enough, that we had a song that ended up in a racing video game. There's been kids that come to our show being like, yeah, I heard you through this racing video game. So um, that's like, I, that's what I would define as like maybe the younger audience, audience like in the last couple of years is people that we've sort of lassoed through these different outlets. But I think if anyone stuck around, for, you know, has been around since the beginning, they're like, you know, a little bit older now and, and more of the just going to the show to watch it, you know? So, so it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see the mix. It's interesting you mentioned Rise Against because I've been a huge Rise Against fan since since Revolution's Permanent came out and I was, God, I must have been like 15 or 16 when that came out, that record. And it's probably this whole reason I play music, that record, right? I love that album so much. And every single time I go see Rise Against now, the crowd's definitely getting younger. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. kind of always like, I feel like an old man now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you ever get that when you go to shows? No? Um, yeah, I mean... Punk rock stunts your growth. So, like, you know, you, I'm 33, and, you know, I still go to shows where you're surrounded by, you know, teenagers and things like that. But, um, you know, you, it's just, it's, it comes with the territory. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you get sort of these built in ethics and, and ethos and all that sort of stuff where you, where you, you can't really shake it off you know it's like if you if you found yourself loving punk rock at some point like you're always going to have a piece of that with you so some people are able to you know distance themselves but still listen to the records but um if there's a band that comes out that you love like you want to go see them and and all that sort of stuff um but uh i definitely don't stage dive as much as i used to i'll say that (laughs) I don't think I've ever stage dived in my life. Really? Yeah. Oh, I've al- always thought that maybe somebody would hurt me. I don't know. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> maybe tonight should be your first. No. Uh, <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I can't even think of the last time I did it. It's probably been a couple of years. Uh, no, not a couple of years. I can't tell you. I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I, I should stage dove during our show in Italy, and I felt bad because I definitely hit a kid in the head, and then he posted on Facebook about it. I felt bad. Oh. He's okay, but... I told him he was still handsome, so I hopefully that was that helped. I mean, is, do, do you now that you're now you've grown older and you're now in your thirties, like me, I should add, um, has the way you approach doing live shows different? Just with that in mind. Uh, now that I'm a lot more uh, breakable, uh, I yeah, I think back to some of the stuff that I would do in the early days, like climbing up on things and jumping, and without really like thinking about me or you know selfishly probably the crowd very much when you just kind of do those sorts of things but um yeah I'm a lot more you know a lot more aware of myself and my surroundings you know what I'm saying um and also like you know fucking my back hurts a lot more and all that sort of stuff so yeah I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling the wear of uh of touring pretty non-stop for the last eight years ten years actually considering other bands I played in so yeah you, you, I mean, they don't tell you that when you're growing up. Like, watch, just watch your body when you're on the road because it's not going to. No, they don't say that. It's like, oh, you'll have fun, yeah, but then yeah. you start falling apart. Well, you know, people people operate in different ways, and people, you know, people's bodies react in different ways. I always felt like I was pretty invincible, and I still, you know, I feel pretty lucky, aside from my horrible hearing loss, that uh, that I've been pretty okay. But I think the years of like sleeping on hardwood floors and 
and uh, you know, having your neck tilted in some fucked up way as you're trying to sleep in the van or like on a flight or something like that, like it starts to catch up with you after a while. Um, but you know, you look at certain people that have been doing it longer than us, and and you know, you hear we like I won't name names, but like there's friends that we've made throughout touring and stuff like that. They're a couple years older than myself, and you know, they'll talk about how their knees are shot or how like this, that, and the other thing. And, and uh, you know, it's something to look at where like, oh man, I'm not looking forward to that because that's coming soon. <laughs> I don't know if you'd been from Dungeon Escape Plan and that's one of the things he said. He's like, my doctor told me that I'm not going to be a comfortable old man because my oh, body God. is just like ruined. <laughs> I started laughing when I saw, when I noticed that those dudes started wearing knee pads when they play. Yeah. It's like, yo man, that's, that's absurd. That's, I mean, I, I have seen Dillinger a lot of times since I was a teenager, like a, a fair amount of times. And at just those shows, I've seen members of that band get very hurt. And that's just some, that's just 10 shows out of the probably 4,000 that they've played, you know? I once, I think it was Ben, uh, they played this venue chain reaction, which is a very small room, um, considered, you know, like, at that time in their career too they could have been playing a much bigger place it was like i think they were just potentially doing purposely small shows and uh the ceiling of this venue is not very tall and he jumped on his amp and then tried to jump off the amp and he just hit himself on the head uh, like he hit himself i think like maybe on like a light and completely cracked the back of his head open and it was during the first song and the whole, he played the whole rest of the set just 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 so much blood coming out of him and definitely after the show he had to go get stitches there's no way around it and I was just like you have a concussion and you're definitely your head is cracked open like and this is just one night on your tour I can't even imagine what happens every night like it's insane just so, a Tuesday night somewhere <laughs> yeah 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 it's crazy like watching them play we we played a heavy fest at them like did maybe, was, was that last was, year was, was that last year or two years yeah. yeah and like I was like man do these guys still go as hard as they used to and like they definitely are still throwing their stuff around but like you could tell it's a lot more strobe light these days like and i respect it like yo you cannot still be like front flipping with your guitar into the audience every night you know well they jumped off a balcony in glasgow and in the crowd that was, God that bless was like him. three weeks ago four weeks ago uh was it like greg or ben? ben ben jesus my god well i hope you hope, hope he makes it through this farewell tour Almost, they almost didn't. That's yeah. quite scary. That was really scary, man. I know. That's we got the new. Yeah, we, I mean, we've been over here since way before that even happened, and uh, we had just been in Poland, I think, like three days before, and uh, we didn't play Krakow, but um, I have some friends from there, and like hearing that, hearing all that news was really shocking. We're it's always sad to hear that anyone gets hurt at all, but, but thankfully, everyone in the band seemed to be okay. Hi, it's me, Mark. I'm just jumping in here real quick to remind you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. You can do that by hitting the subscribe button or the like button or whatever button it is in your podcasting app right now. Subscribing to this podcast really helps this show grow. Your recommendation to friends and people who have maybe not heard this podcast before is really helpful and I would really appreciate your support. So yeah, go ahead and do that just now. And let's get back to this interview with Jeremy Bohm. Okay, we're going a bit of a left turn here, so let's bring it, let's bring it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this podcast is mainly, let's get into what this podcast is actually about. Yeah. It's mainly about creativity and passion. Now, your passion is probably unquestioned at this point, given we've just talked about the record label and how long you've yeah, been yeah. on the road for. But, I mean, that, 
Your lyrics, to me, are very literate. I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. To other people who don't have lyrics that are not, I'm kind of digging a hole. <laughs> I'm kind of digging a hole over here for myself. Um, but see the, the obviously, like given what like the recent album's been about and all that. Um, see the creative process for you. Is it like a sort of like how, how how would you describe that? Is it like a sort of get down, put everything on the paper, get ready to go, or like how does that work? Um, I never. I've never written a song uh, until I hear the music. Like, I, I always write after the fact. So I've never, like, gone into, gone into you know, writing, like, hey, guys, I have these words. Because I think I have such a... I have to be so hyper-specific. Like I, like, I can't... I think it's, like, a level of OCD where if I wrote a whole song that I was really happy with every word, you know, you have to then fit words to a song and like if parts didn't mix or like I couldn't like fit everything in there I would like wig out so uh there's always and there's always transitions where like once the song is written and I write the lyrics to it I'm always like changing things and whatever else but um so I mean with this record specifically I waited until we had like a good number of songs written before I started to write lyrics to it just because like I knew what the whole thing was going to be about going into it, and I I just didn't want to, as I've said before, like I just didn't want to like open the floodgates of like trying to figure out what where it was so like. It's still like the worst thing, and like like for listeners, like losing losing my mom was like the hardest thing in the entire world. It still is every day, and like you can't you can't just like hear one song and be like, okay, where the fuck do I start? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no easy starting point. You know, it's like, so I, I had to wait until we had a good number of songs written musically that I just had like recorded as like a, you know, like a voice memo, like a shitty, blown out recording. But I could like, you know, hear what the song sounds like, and then I would just write over that. Um, but yeah, it was hard to like. I sort of had to do almost like an outline where I'd be like, okay, you know. Draw, write the word mom in the middle, circle it, and then, you know, branch out and be like, okay, like, songs about uh, who she was, songs about what I don't know, songs about uh, her actual sickness, songs about her passing, songs about uh, her, you know, uh, like, having to go bury her ashes, like, all, just, there's so many different levels of things to, to, to find, you know, I think it's like a never-ending waterfall of just like topics to write about but uh and you know there's tons of records that go you know about the same subject matter so i'm not i'm not unique in this but um yeah it's uh in a way i would say it was you know i get asked a lot like oh is this the hardest record you've ever had to write in a way it was the easiest record to write because i didn't have to try like it was just it was always there um Whereas it's, it's access, it, to that. Yeah, it's it's access to that emotion because it's like it's so raw that you can just yeah, channel like, it. Yeah, I could just like sit on my front porch and be like, you know, what have I like? What's another area of this that hurts? Um, whereas like it survived by, if I was I was gonna say it was a hard like a hard record to write. It survived by was a terribly hard record to write because at that point in my life I was completely like I was content. I was happy. Everything was going well you know and I think I almost I've made a joke that I feel like I jinxed myself because I was like man I don't know what to write about like this record's hard to write like what like 
man, the next one's going to be even harder. And then it was like, oh, here's life, like handing you the fucking hardest thing to go through. Like, well, you wanted something hard to write about, or you wanted something to write about. Here you go. So, yeah. I've got to, uh, Uncle, I'll be brutally honest. Like, I have not listened to Stage 4 a lot because I, f- I find it quite hard to listen. Yeah. I-, I know that I like it a lot as a record, but it's also touches something in me, which I know for a fact that I haven't dealt with yeah. about, like, uh, about, like, my grand passing a few years ago. So I know I've not dealt with it, so when I listen to it, it's like, uh, probably not gonna deal with this just now and work. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. let's just put that off for the moment. But um when, no, when people I mean I've had a lot of people, friends, not you know, friends, quote unquote fans, whatever you wanna call, you know, like I hate the word fans, but like followers of the band, like uh all sorts of people be like, I can't listen to the record, or like it's too close, or like people that know me too well. Uh, or like, or you know, knew my mom or, or whatever else, you know, they'll be like, so, you know, it's a little too, too much. And, you know, I, I understand that. But then on the other side, I've met a lot of people that have connected to it in completely other ways, you know, complete, like people that have never lost anybody in their life. And they're, you know, they're looking at it from a relationship standpoint or from like a mental health standpoint or for whatever you want to call it. Um, so uh, it, it's it's an interesting journey to see or you know like who, who takes which path on on listening to it yeah one thing i was uh, that kind of occurred to me like you said in other interviews that as survive by is kind of about like how you're going to be remembered how you're going to leave your mark on on, on the world yeah. and stage four obviously given that it's like about your mom's past and stuff like it seems to be like it will be a much bigger mark of you does that make sense sure i mean which is also kind of scary because uh, like I, one of my really good friends, Kyle, who uh, sings in the band Pianos Become the Teeth, like he wrote a whole record about his father. <coughs> Sorry, his father passing, and then uh, and that and that, you know, he even makes a. I think the the first song on their follow up record, Keep You, like he says, uh, uh, there's a line where he says, um, "Be defined, uh, you know, like he's defined by someone dying or something like that," and that definitely like stands out as like a. I think you couldn't tell who was in the band. <laughs> um, Soggy. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, like, it's it's a little scary that, you know, not scary, that's not the right word, but like, you don't want to be looked at as a charity case. You know what I'm saying? Like, where I had to write this record for my well-being for... I think it was the only thing that could have come out of of me at that time, at this current time. Um, But it's hard when you walk into a venue or you walk up on stage and and you sort of feel like everybody's expecting this, like, oh, man, there he is. There's the guy who wrote this really sad song or whatever. And I'm up on stage and I'm having a good time and I'm smiling and I can sing these songs with, like, you know, in a good mood because the show is awesome and like the kids are cool and all that sort of stuff and I, I can be sort of numb to it but like it's it's hard to not feel like you sort of become a charity case where people are just kind of pitying you the whole time but you know I I, I, I can't make you know I can't change people's minds on that you know like I get it it's like when 
when you've created the song and, and people hear it, then it, it's no longer in your control anymore, kind of yeah. thing. You know, it's, it, it takes on a life of its own, and it makes me wonder, like. You've always spoken in other interviews about how you like to be transparent in your writing, like how it's all about, like, I guess, I hate to say being genuine, but you know the kind of thing that I'm sort of driving yeah. at when I say that. Um, does that did that play in your mind when you wrote this record? That that transparency will, would mean that this moment or these moments would always be getting relived every single time you played the songs? No, I, I try not to, like, and I try not to overthink things like I... I just, again, yeah, like I've said, like, I, I just like to be as, as honest as possible because, you know, it's my way of, of almost saying thank you to people that listen because I, I, you know, there's so much music every day that, you know, like you could pay 99 cents a month or whatever Spotify is and you have every song at your fingertips. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if someone's going out of their way to, to actually listen to us, like, I owe them uh, the, you know, I owe, I owe them complete honesty. That's the way I look at it. You know, I think it's the best way to look at it because you get a lot of artists that kind of try to create an artifice almost, mm-hmm. and I think that can be quite challenging and frustrating for fans. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, all my favorite songs in the world are are songs that you know you can tell are coming from a, a very real place, and I'm just trying to compete with that. <laughs> you know. So I mean, what, let's, let's to bring this towards an end. I suppose I should ask a question about what are you most looking forward to getting home to? Oh God, so many different things. Uh, you know, uh, my girl, my dogs, uh, sh- certain shitty foods that only come in uh, in the in the <laughs> in Cal in you know Los Angeles. Uh, I can get uh, my own bed. Um, the mail that is definitely like the records that have come in the mail that I know I'm expecting, um, all sorts of things. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about a lot of things. I'm, it's I hate the flight out here. I hate flying in general. Just not like I'm afraid, but just because I can't sleep on flights. So it's just like, well, time to sit here and fucking break my back for 12 hours and watch five movies in a row, you know. Um, but the flight home, like. I just look, it's just like staring at it straight in the face, just being like, yeah, I'm going to challenge you. But when I get, when this challenge is over, I'm home. So I, I, you know, I go into it a lot more optimistic than the flight out here. Cause it's like, oh man, I got, I got to do this 12 hour flight. And then I'm on the road for five weeks, you know? So are you back out in the road soon after you go home? Uh, same more time. Are you back out in the road soon after you go home? Uh, we, you pretty quickly, actually, we're home for less than a month, um, which I haven't really processed that part yet, uh, okay. but yeah, we're 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 home for like I think three and a half weeks or so, and then we go out with uh, Thursday and Basement, so that'll be a lot of fun. I Thursdays, I'm excited to be a part of their like reunion tour. We got to play their um, their like first official show back. They did like a surprise show the night before their first festival show, and it was just us, them, and uh, this awesome band from Florida called Gouge Away. Um, and they, I mean, they're, they kind of in a way, in a lot of ways, like showed us the ropes on how to be a band, you know, like they took us on, uh, our first real tour, like package tour. We were first of four, you know, and like they 
taught us everything where like how to properly sound check you know like what terms meant like if when a sound guy would say oh put your deads over there we'd be like the fuck does deads mean <laughs> then you find out that deads mean empty cases you know like it just we learned everything from those guys and uh so it's an honor to get to to do their big reunion tour and then basement you know we've played tons of shows with them and they're they're good friends so It'll be a, it'll be a good. I'm sure that tour will go by quick. I think it's like three and a half weeks. Although we're from Los Angeles and it starts in Boston and it ends in New York City, so that means and it goes to California. So it's just a lot of fucking driving. Uh, a lot of it's driving. a lot of driving. I've never been to America, but I know how big that place is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, Los Angeles straight to Boston, which is like if you were to drive nonstop, it would take like two and a half days. What? And then yeah, and then uh, yeah, do the whole tour and then have it fucking end in New York, which means then driving back home after New York. So like, it's gonna be hard, but you know, thankfully it's it'll be worth it at the same time. So you're gonna be in like a van like this, or we have like a bus? No, we do not have a bus. We we're, I think we're gonna just always be a van band for a lot of reasons. I mean, there's upsides of we've only done one bus tour ever, and it was in. Europe. It was with Converge in 2012. And I mean, upsides of the bus is that you go to sleep in this thing and then you wake up and you're at the venue and that's cool as hell. Cause like, you don't have to like sit and rot looking at the road. But uh, the downside is venues aside from stereo, 90% of the time are on the outskirts of town. So you get to the venue, you have nothing to do. You're like, I can't go anywhere. Like, there's nothing here. Like, venues are always so far away that, like, there's nothing fun to do. So, um, I mean, I started bringing, like, my bike on tour and things like that so I could, you know, sort of get around the city and stuff. But uh, with a van, you can go anywhere you want, you know, just disconnect the trailer and go go into town, do, do all sorts of stuff. Like, you just feel like you have a lot more freedom. So, and also, like, I take sleeping in a cheap hotel room over and getting to shower in a cheap hotel room than um, having to shower at venues and sleep in a tiny bunk that you know rattles and you get thrown around so I don't know I think I think we're a van band forever I think that's I, I prefer van bands <laughs> um, Jeremy it's been a total pleasure talking to you is there anything else you want to say or anything you'd like to ask me I guess before we finish uh I not not that I can think of. I mean, I'm just again, I'm just stoked to be in stoked to be in Glasgow, and the show should be fun. It's our first time ever having a sold out show in, in Glasgow. So, and I've and I've been told by the band that's currently playing Departures that's not an easy task. So, it's not, it's not, yeah. and it's quite a big venue as well. Yeah, so we're very, very, very excited about it. Yeah. Oh, Jeremy, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. That was a really good interview, I thought. I have been a huge fan of Tushy Amori for some time now. It may seem a bit rote for me to say that I'm always a huge fan of the band that I'm interviewing, but it's true in pretty much every sense of the word. I really like a lot of the people that I speak to because that's why I speak to them. And I have great admiration for their talent and I'm super appreciative of the time that they take to sit down and have a chat with me. Tushi Amori's new album Stage 4 is a really, really good record. As I said in the interview, I find it quite hard to listen to, but that doesn't take away from 
any of the greatness therein. It is a stunning record. It's certainly amongst the best, if not the best work that they've ever done. And if you haven't listened to it already, I certainly recommend that you do. It's harrowing, it's moving, and really it captures a few feelings and moments that anybody who's ever lived with somebody who's got cancer and has passed away from it will know they'll be able to identify with. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please take a second to chuck me a rating and review on iTunes. I really appreciate that. That not only helps this podcast get more recognition on iTunes, somewhat baffling rating system but also serves as a recommendation to other people to check out this podcast so if you could do that I would be forever in your debt until next time bye bye